Hi, welcome to the Get Curious with me, Nadja Vitorovic. Welcome to day three of Podmust. And today we're talking about COVID and the climate crisis. Keep the music. Obviously, this is a hot topic. Let's just say that. Also, I'm Gen Z, so I'm extremely passionate about the environment. I think that's almost like synonymous with the name. I was just reading an article from from The Economist and an article called Seize the Moment. It's from their May 2020 issue. I was just reading it because it's talking about this actual issue. It's talking about the pandemic and the climate crisis. And obviously, you know, back in May, we were all so um, positive about what we thought this pandemic was going to do for our environment. And how we thought, oh, look, like now none of us are traveling. To be fair, that's true. I mean, they state the statistic in the article that um, in the first week of April, greenhouse gas emissions were down 17% from that they were this time last year, which is insane. That's such an exciting statistic. But as we know, as we've been living in this pandemic that they didn't really have a persisting effect when we're talking about all the amount of online shopping that everyone's doing and um, how we've all adapted to the pandemic has mean that we're using so much more technology and so much more energy and electricity resource intensive and it really hasn't made that much of an impact and honestly we could have predicted this before I mean in terms of greenhouse gas emissions or like sectors that affect greenhouse gas emissions there is so many more percentages which affect greenhouse gas emissions not just transport i mean if you look at agriculture or if you look at fast fashion um these are all industries or or sectors which hugely impact our greenhouse gas emissions and are just not talked about so i guess we could have predicted this but also it sucks to hear that type of statistic But it also sucks to realise that even with the global lockdowns and pandemic that we still can't really significantly reduce our carbon, like greenhouse gas emissions um, in the long term. So there's a quote in this article which I wanted to read, which says, is talking about, you know, how this abandonment of uh, planes, trains and automobiles, as they put it, and they said that, even if people endure huge changes in how they lead their lives, this sad experiment has shown the world would, would still have more than 90% of the necessary decarbonisation left to do to get on track for the Paris Agreement's most ambitious goal of a climate only 1.5 Celsius warmer than it was before the Industrial Revolution. So what that's saying is that we still have 90% left of decarbonisation to do to reach the goal of the Paris Agreement and they say that it's the Paris Agreement's most ambitious goal which I mean is is correct Um, but 1.5 Celsius has been shown by many scientists it's a consensus over many scientists that past that point we have irreversible change to our environment so it's not just the Paris Agreement's most ambitious claim it is really the only goal we should be trying to reach it's really the only one which is going to enable our society to survive and it just made me have a lot of thoughts about so what can really be done I mean there's been a lot of conversations about in the past you know 20 30 40 years ago when we've known about climate change if we'd started our efforts then we would 
easily be able to make these these this goal but by 2030 we have to get to 1.5 and even with the paris agreement we're on track for three to four celsius that's detrimental chain and when i mean I don't mean to panic anyone, but when I mean irreversible change, I mean it's not just the weather, it means that when ice caps melt and release organisms from their ice which haven't been touched in centuries, they're going to release disease. And when I talk about weather changes, it's a hurricane which brings floods, which brings climate refugees, which brings wars against water and civil unrest over immigration more than we already have I mean look at Brexit and if you times that by 10 that probably isn't even a fair estimate of the struggle that we'll have to go through and what climate refugees will have to go through and wars against water and all the rest of it when we talk about irreversible change it really changes the fabric of our society and the way that we can operate as a society will totally change because we cannot continue the way that we're going I realise I've been speaking quite negatively and your mood might be a bit down. Um, so I thought that I would include a little bit of Happy Eco News from happyeconews.com. <laughs> um, it released information today, 3rd of December 2020, is the first fully carbon neutral cargo flight is set to take off from Frankfurt Airport. Um, this is a Lufthansa Cargo Boeing 777 F, and it's going from Frankfurt, Germany to Shanghai, China, and it's using sustainable aviation fuel. So it's going to be the first flight of its kind um, to be flying CO2 neutral, like 100% CO2 neutral. This sustainable aviation fuel is a sustainable synthetic kerosene. So it's basically biomass um, and the CO2 emissions from the flight have already been secreted by the CO2 absorbed by plants while the biomass was growing. So that is some happy news for you. I thought I'd chip in here where people usually have ads and I have no sponsorships. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of um, happy news going into the next half. <laughs> Bye. So little preach over. I did want to talk about one of the solutions which constantly keeps coming up and which I think is a really interesting solution to bring up is this idea of taxing carbon. And the free market argument falls apart in the way that our governments subsidise fossil fuels. And so why couldn't we then subsidise green energy and tax fossil fuels and tax carbon um, in the same way that we subsidise oil. And we set green energies or renewable energies at a disadvantage. So of course they're not going to perform well. In fact, regardless of that, they have their prices been going ridiculously low. Solar energy is nowhere near the same price that it was a couple of years ago. It's really plummeted in price. It's extremely accessible. And in fact, in my um my house, um with my flatmates, we switched from um, fossil fuels, I think we switched from British gas, to um, bulb, a renewable energy. And it's actually cheaper for us to, to heat our house um, that way than it is with British gas. 
And it was really exciting actually for me to see the stock market when people would pay you to take it from them, like a barrel of oil. It was, it was in the negative so much that people would have to pay you to buy a barrel of oil, which is hilarious. And my bigger concern is whether this is all ethical, whether it's really ethical to stop the subsidization of fossil fuels, because it's such a huge industry. So many people are employed by the fossil fuel industry. And in a way that, you know, the financial dis- industry doesn't really have the same in wouldn't ever face the same impact because of the nature of the way the fossil fuel industry works an area of england where someone's working on in a i don't know like a a thermal coal plant i think that's the term that would be the only business for that town for miles and that's a main source of income and also boosts the economy, like I guess the economy of that town, by having shops and small boutiques, at, um, as well as employing the people in the town. So is it really ethical to raise the price of fossil fuels where a plant like that would then have to be shut down because it's too costly to run um, if the demand then switches to green energy? And the process of switching to green energy means creating you know, maybe nuclear plants and building all these wind turbines and building all these solar panels, which then have to be built in these (laughs) fossil fuel plants, right? So you can't suddenly shut down all these fossil fuel plants because then you can't actually make the renewable energy equipment. And if you think about the political side of things, you can even take the example of fracking. So when in America, fracking became huge and started to undermine the oil industry in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia has the power and did have the power to simply drop their prices to such a competitive amount. It took fracking out of the picture until they could raise the Saudi Arabia raised the oil prices again and everything was back because the oil industry really has the power to do that. So is it really ethical for us to tax fossil fuel companies and tax fossil fuels and tax carbon, subsidising green energy, when we really don't have the infrastructure to provide that as of yet? Even though the statistics for creating jobs are insane, I mean, if we suddenly switched gear to go to green energy, I'm all for that, honestly. Um, As much as I've just been playing devil's advocate, I'm all for it because it would create a huge new stream of um, jobs. But I can see why saying taxing carbon is both such an idealistic way of of, of a solution. It minimises what that could do. And I also think thinking in that mind frame really like villainises fossil fuel workers. Geographical employment means that that's the main industry in their area. That is the job that they're naturally going to go down. And it's not really fair to put them in an unto, into unemployment, I believe. <laughs> I just like, I believe. What I did think was really, really interesting um, is what they spoke in the article. They said that, and I quote, <laughs> Air France has been told either to scrap domestic routes that compete with high-speed trains powered by nuclear electricity or to forfeit taxpayer assistance. That's a really interesting preposition of ultimatum that Air France has been given and really inspiring, actually, because you see examples like that and you say, well, then why why isn't the UK doing that? Why, when I get a train, when I get a train from St Andrews to um, London, I'm paying 
sometimes double or even triple the amount that I would if I just got a plane ticket from Edinburgh to London. And it makes it so hard for people to get involved in the environment, the whole elitist environmental movement, because it's really not affordable. And that ties in with the, if you then tax carbon, you tax fossil fuels, you have a bunch of households which might not be prepared for a change like that. I do think about solutions like this and, and it can it's very easy to um, either take... It's very easy to take the polarising views that it's so simple, why don't we just tax carbon? But it's also very easy to then take the completely opposite view and completely trash the idea of taxing carbon and how impractical it is and I think it really comes down to this idea whether climate action really fits into the society as we know it because I think when we say tax carbon you're thinking of a completely different idealistic future but when we say we can't tax carbon for all of the reasons that I've spoken about in this episode you're thinking narrow-mindedly I think it's very clear that our society can't continue the way it is if we want to reach 1.5 celsius this pandemic because of the financial impact it's had on so many people and employment and finances in general I think that the next couple years will really be looking at governments firstly trying to combat the amount of lending that they've been given at least in the UK but also I think policies will definitely people will be looking democracy will be looking for answers from their government to support them financially and they'll be looking at economic policies of countries the question is whether these economic policies are really going to be intertwined with um, solutions for the climate because they very much can be if we want them to be. If the decision makers and the policy makers have climate in mind, these economic policies could 100% incorporate and be beneficial for the environment. But on the flip of that coin, if we have policy makers and decision makers who aren't thinking about the environment when they're making economic policies, these economic policies which the nation is looking for, we are not gonna then we could very much not make any environmental progress i've crocheted about three rows in this conversation i hope you enjoyed hearing me talk about the pandemic and um the climate crisis and i hope that it gives you some thoughts i hope you're enjoying day three of podmas thank you for listening if you liked the episodes please rate the podcast and if you didn't then don't (laughs) Um, And I'll see you tomorrow for day four. Bye.